It's Thanksgiving here in America, so before we all slip into that food coma, let's hear about some folks who are giving their time and incredible talent doing amazing things to help other people. An industry under pressure. Innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of Nutanix or any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It is Thanksgiving week here in the old uh, US of A. So this is a special Thanksgiving episode of the always invigorating oil and gas tech podcast. But today, we're going to take a break from our usual subject matter. Maybe take a break from anything else that might be on your mind right now. And we're going to hear about a great group of people who are doing some really good things for other people. But first, I want to say that as a podcast host, I'm especially thankful for a few things. For our sponsor, Cognite, who actually is making this financially possible. Also, big thanks to our audio editor over there in the faraway land of Bosnia, Mr. Emin, and I hope I say his last name right, Fikic. He is the guy with the magic ears, and he's the man behind the curtain who makes all of the OGGN podcasts sound much better than they do in real life. And Emin also has a story of his own about helping people Maybe we'll get him on the show one time to talk about that. Also, thanks to our producer, Savannah Wilson, who keeps the wheels on this whole thing going, and she makes sure that people actually get to hear the episodes that we record. Also, our friends at Midnight Marketing, who have not only designed an amazing new OGGN website that you need to go and see, but they also managed to make me look considerably better in pictures than I do in real life. And finally, thanks to my guest, David Reed, who had me over here to your clubhouse here at the NOV Tower. We're going to talk about something that he's been involved with for some time. As I said, it's going to be a little bit different. This episode, it'll be different. It will be heartfelt and it will be short. Well, it's always it's always heartfelt, but I, I needed something to fit the rhythm that sense. So David, thank you for being here. And we're going to talk about this thing called Red M. Yeah. So first, I know we're here at the NOV offices. I know that you you have an executive position at NOV. We're not really going to talk about that. Good. Is there any kind of an NOV plug that you wanted to make? No, it's we, okay. This, we is, this is just me. This is just for Thanksgiving. So Red M, spelled like it looks, R-E-D-M. Yeah, R-E-D-M. Right. So what is it? Well, it's a long story, so I'm going to try and keep this short. But I have been around for about the last decade, the business of recovering people who've been caught in sex trafficking in Houston. And so that began with my wife. And the, on the long journey, we've had people who've come through the damage that is done to people when they're put through sex trafficking is much worse than you would imagine, the mental damage. And so the recovery process is often sure. long. And then getting them on the road and into any kind of work and life is a journey. And so we've actually housed people and been involved with, I've done art classes, we've done movie nights, we've done different things. So we, we've done really well in that space of helping individuals get out and actually stably kind of live and get their 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 lives back together. And so I, I ended up on a board for an organization called Redeemed that does that work, mm-hmm. which my wife had, had already been on before. And my first day on the board, very well-meaning people sitting around 
a table talking about what they do and you could see how much it costs. It's an expensive business. It's like having intensive care all year. It's just an expensive right. proposition to, right. to look after trauma recovery. So they did not have enough money and I could see the great work they were doing and quickly said, my goodness, this is a simple problem. Yeah. If people just knew what they did, they would fund them. Right. And, but right. but when people are doing great work and you're, you're new to a board, they're very proud of what they're doing. And sure. I, they had a little flyer they passed around and I was like, yeah, yeah. this isn't going to cut it. Yeah, yeah. In this modern world. So I did a post on LinkedIn and got around over 50,000 views in 24 hours just asking for help in the marketing side. Holy cow, yeah. Yeah, so after about five days, we set up a coffee shop in town and, and invited people. 50 people came. 48 of them knew nothing about trafficking. So we did some basic, here's what it is. Here's the organization and how can you help? Broke them into five tables based on subjects or departments, let's say, in marketing. And it's had them brainstorm. How could they help? And so at the end of that, everyone got up and told their story table by table. And I said, okay, those of you who talked, you are the leaders of the group. And now we'll see you in a month. Let's yeah. see what we can do. Yeah. And uh, that rolled and we did a lot for Redeemed that year. And we knew we were onto something. This whole idea of pro bono crowdsourcing we were really, we knew we were onto something. People loved doing it. It built a great community. We were able to help the community develop. Some people were okay at what they did and needed help. And so yeah. you're really helping marketers as well. So that was the first year. By the end of it, we were pretty burned out. A lot of people had done some incredible work, but didn't want to come back. There yeah. was just too much. Yeah, it's tough. And so that- Well, the that, subject matter alone. Subject right, matter is, alone. In is, fact, we is, didn't, we, one thing we learned, which was really interesting is that it is such a heavy subject that it gets avoided, you know, easily. Well, that was something that, yeah, so I was thinking about that as you were telling the history. I mean, this is something, and here in Houston, I think we're discovering more and more people are finding out that, you know, it's not a happy subject, but there's a lot of wonderful things here in Houston. The oil and gas industry is right. here in Houston. But this problem is also here in Houston in kind of a big yeah. way. Right? Yeah, and the actual numbers, I mean, that you can get caught in this just trying to understand the numbers, but they are big. Early on, we did some work for Not For Sale. I say we, I wasn't one of the people I know was was doing that. And they did a quick, back then you could actually on social media or websites find which of these places are actual brothels with trafficked individuals in them. So you could actually find it out. Our calculation then was about, there were three times the amount of Starbucks and illicit massage parlors that were brothels, almost right. all of them holding at that time international women. And this isn't in like weird Parts of town. I mean, no. I know I live in the suburbs out in the Northwest. And a few years ago, right out, you know, just practically right outside my neighborhood, the liquor store that I'd been going to for 15, 20 years, I knew the guy, he knew my kids mm. and everything. Not his store, but right next to that was was a place in one day, exactly what you're describing. And one day they got raided and and, yeah. and that was, I mean, I could walk there from my house. So right. it's not just in the little hidden dark corners. Yeah, and there's a lot of it. It is everywhere. I think at that time on 1960, when I first started, there was just loaded. I made a film by going out. My wife did the research and said, okay, these are brothels. And I went and filmed them and just to show people at work so that I could start yeah. helping them understand. But what we learned when we studied it was that, that the message is too heavy for people. It's tough. Yeah. That, so how do you get people to get engaged without making them look at the, you know, how it's an extremely dangerous area. 
the people behind it are very scary people. This is the mafia and the mob and like right, people right. who normally run guns and drugs and now they're running people because it's a better business for them. Sure. And so it's, I think it's now drugs are still higher in total cash, but I think they're, they're underneath that and uh, human trafficking. So I think in 2016, they did a study, UT did a study with the governor's office and they came up with, there was about a hundred and, See if I can get this exactly right. It was just over 113,000, maybe 114,000 people trafficked in Texas. Well, it's big enough. I mean, if it's big enough to be that significant of a revenue stream to compete with right. drugs and guns. I mean, but but what's crazy to me is there's even now, I mean, we're hearing about more people who are who are trying to help fight this problem. And our governor, Greg right. Abbott, has, He's has said great. some things about it most recently. But for the most part, it seems like there's more availability to help like stray animals out That's, there, right? Than, did or, you do your homework? Or, or, or <laughs> That's or one of the numbers I've thrown out. And, but, but, no, but, but, or just- It is, know. no, there is a lot more. There's, I think I can, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to butcher the numbers, but it's around maybe 140 beds in the US for, for people who've been trafficked, so. Yeah. And I'm not suggesting, by the way, I'm not suggesting we need fewer places to help stray animals. No, I'm that's saying, right. But but it's but there, there's such an the awareness of the uh, awareness of yeah, the problem. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's the reality. So I mean, really what we wanted to do, or what I, I particularly wanted to do wasn't just get money to the organization, but get awareness in the professional community. Right. And so and give people things they can do, because most of the people in the space have learned the darkest details and they give up their whole life for it. Um, you know, wow. they can't help themselves, they're compelled. And when you get the information, it has that compelling feel. But if you're not ready to do that, then you're like, okay, so I, I don't know how to cope. I'm going to protect maybe my kids or my family. And so we tried to find a middle ground where someone can do something. And so, that so that's great, because that's what I was thinking, is I think a lot of people, yeah, it's scary, right? Yeah. To say, I, I think I'd like to get involved in helping that, but I don't know if I want that whole component in my life, whether it be right. geographically or just emotionally or whatever. Yeah. So, but you guys have created a way for that, right? So what does that we look have. like for somebody who wants to help? So, I mean, we have a website that really helps called joinredm.com. So that's simple. So you can look that up. And at the bottom of the page, there is a, I want to sign up. What happens if someone wants to sign up? There's two areas. One, if you're an organization looking for help and one, if you're a person wanting to help. And say, so I, an organization looking for help would be like what? Someone who's involved in the recovery of people who've been trafficked. Ah, okay. So we have a list of those people we work with who are doing various parts. Some rescue mostly in recovery because it's the most undercared for part, even though a lot of people have been more active in the space and you'll have heard about it more. Most of them are doing you know, awareness or rescue that, that fits people. It's not as expensive, but recovery is where the money actually is a problem. And so we've... We've started on the branding side. It's actually any gift that anybody has, any, I mean, personal gift, like I'm sure. I'm good at something. Right. And so we can plug in anything, usually. doesn't matter what it is. Some, it's actually, I have a skill and it's a professional skill and I can train some of the women because one of the problems is that they've purposely been taken young, usually. Right. They don't have life skills and they don't have job skills, but they make sure that they have a record. Yeah. And so they actually try and put them on the strip to get arrested. Yeah. And once that's done, you, they've ruined the they're, rest of their they're life. They're stuck, right, yeah. And yeah. so what we're trying to do is find ways to give them skills and potential because that's a trap that the traffickers use is you have no way out. So they've, they've basically brainwashed them to always come right. back. If and you so, leave here, you'll just end up in jail and right, nobody's going to help you. Right. right? Yeah. No, or just you don't fit. They actually train them that they don't fit and everyone's against you. So right. you know, there, are, there are a lot of hooks they put into their brain. So 
creating work opportunities, training opportunities. Sometimes it's just if you're if you're a dentist or you're a doctor or whatever you've got to offer. If you're willing to do labor, you know, okay, I'm going to go work on something for right. you. It, it, it really is anything. And then we do a lot in the branding and marketing and video and photography. We had a single mother who just, we were going to do photographs over at one of the recovery homes. Well, obviously you can't do it with the women there. So we needed models. So this single sure. mom said, I'll, I'll do that. I'll yeah, jump yeah. in and I'll be a model. Oh, and that's uh, great. it wasn't a lot of work, but I, she's just like, I'm so glad I was able to give something back. Yeah, that's neat. So the people, the people who, as you mentioned, kind of get into this and kind of devote their lives to it are probably really great at dealing with the yeah. core of the problem, but all those things that surround it to make it successful in terms of fundraising, brand marketing, getting extra hands on right. various types of problems like that, they might not be so good at, right? right? And so you can come in and basically fill those gaps to make them a more effective organization. Well, right? I, I was in New York at an event. It was a branding event. And I saw it was a New York organization, not for profit. And they got up and they explained, here's where we were. And then we paid this company two million bucks and we got this new look and message and you're like wow that, that was really amazing so i put my hand up and said well what if that wasn't two million dollars yeah what if us marketers decided we're just going to do this just for do you right so it isn't what usually you get in nonprofits where they get anybody who says i can build websites okay great build a website it doesn't work like that we're sure. trying to actually give them the best and so what we do is we get people who are highly skilled and able in the city and we plug them in, but also can put resource underneath them to help who are going to learn about working with the best. So the community really works well together. I mean, we just did our first summit about a month ago, and it's, it was about two months before, and I said, okay, I'm thinking we need to do some virtual event. Mm -hmm. That was basically my ask. I asked our usual Red M core team, and they were like, nah, we're not, we're not up for it, which is okay. I'm cool with that. Yeah. So then put it out to LinkedIn. And suddenly I've got maybe 20, 30 people who are extremely talented. We're doing podcasts. We actually redid the website. We did some branding work. Yeah. All of that fit in. And then we ran this full-on 10-speaker event. We had some people fly in to speak. It looks like TED Talks. It was just incredibly done in a two-month period. Yeah, that is fantastic. So you've solved, you've kind of solved the scaling problem. And I'm thinking when we were, we were chatting before this and you mentioned that you're an architect originally, you've, mm. you've kind of solved an architectural problem right. here, right? And there's a design that you've kind of hit on right. and put together. So the reach is not just, you're not just one particular group that's, mm -hmm. that's trying to make a difference in a specific area, but right. you're actually able to enable people in a scalable way. Right, it's a, it's a new model, I think. I mean, yeah. I, I haven't heard of it It seems like else. it could be applied to other things as Anything, well, right? Yeah. Other, so I think, and that was our, I mean, that was kind of the focus at the beginning was why it was just redeemed to start with. Right. Like, let's pick something we can do and let's just take this one organization yeah. and we did that. So now we, we're running maybe three or four, maybe five right now different organizations that we have people in working with them. Sometimes it's just a, I need a thing and I'll say, well, I know a person, so we'll just connect them. And yeah. so, you know, sometimes it's strategy, sometimes it's design, it's just different right. things. But we, I know for Redeemed, we're three years old now, all three of their galas, we've, we've managed everything, but there's two core people who do that. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. always finding ways. Some people just like, okay, I'm in love with this organization. I want to keep working with them. Keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. That's you fantastic. Know, we're, we're not important in the middle of it. 
right. and we're just trying to make sure that we get them the help they need. And, and none of that would happen if somebody hadn't thought about how. To no, this. they would. They would. They would have struggled to get it done themselves. So they're all really struggling to get help, and and they're hungry for good marketing or, or events or whatever it would be. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I promised at the beginning that this would be short mm-hmm. and, but real quick, what about any, like a good stories, like any sort of, you know, obviously not names and places, but any stories about how something turned out really great for somebody. I think one of my favorites is we started meeting at a second cup, which is a anti-trafficking coffee shop. So if you want to go there, a second cup in town, I think it's in the Heights. I'm not hmm. sure. But we were that meeting. That sounds like a whole other kind of, conversation. Whole another thing. What, what is an anti trafficking so, Well, so what they do stuff. is you go get coffee or food and they give all the money back to yeah, these organizations. Right, yeah. So, but we also were able to get the space. We met there every week for a month. One of the survivors who was living with us, she was a six year in. And so it takes Ooh. multiple years to come out. But she was, you know, from the first day she lived with us, We'd have people over. She would maybe come downstairs and hold herself to the back of the wall. She just wouldn't engage. Sure. And over time, she slowly got used to socializing. They don't trust anyone. They've been trained not right, to. Right, right. And so ultimately, she was coming and selling goods that were being produced by Redeemed and Sparrow House Botanicals. And she would sell them, and she was in the Red M meetings. And about the time we were getting ready for the gala, we had some filmmakers, and she said, my mother and my daughter are willing to talk. And I said, okay, well, we'll we'll tell the filmmakers that, that we can get them on camera. She said, oh, I'll tell them. So she went over to tell them. And at this point, nobody knew that this is someone who'd been trafficked. Everyone's right. picture of what someone who's been trafficked looks like is is wrong. Yeah. And yeah. making oh, they, everyone comes from all sorts of demographics. Sure. And so the shock of the film team, and, and there's a couple of really good producers. And so they actually made a video and she she starred in it and told her whole story with her daughter. And we made this incredible piece, which we could only use once. She doesn't want her, you know, she doesn't want her story out everywhere. But for the gala, we actually had this incredible piece. And it was it was very moving for everyone to learn that we've been working around this person. Wow. And understand yeah. your whole idea of what people look like who've been trafficked. They're just normal people. Yeah, and, that's uh, amazing. And that's fantastic. Yeah, it's was, it was really beautiful for everyone to understand that and move on into, uh, you know, wow, you know, this right. is, this not only is it happening, because generally, in Red M, you're not engaging with people sure. who've been trafficked, but there is a couple who are there and, and get involved and people get to understand. And I think that's the best thing for people, the humanity of it. Yeah. yeah. It's something that when you connect to it, it changes everything. Yeah, I understand not the apprehension about, as we mentioned earlier, it's serious, it's scary, but you do have to at least have some you do have to connect to the humanity and realize that right. these are real people. Yeah. Right? And, and, they're and, and they're, I mean, I think the thing that most people have been shocked about is, is executives in oil and gas having their kids taken, which that's something that really, and we've, they've been recovered we've yeah. three or four of them that we know of. Right. But that really brings it home. It's not, sure. it's not to do with just cause it's to do with vulnerability and teenagers and they yeah. target 12 to 14 year olds yeah. because they're vulnerable and because of social media. So it's it's that awareness of its anonymity. And so not to make everyone fear, but to be able to be aware right. as well as to do something, you know? Yeah, so. yeah. That's fantastic. So we mentioned if people want to get involved, you mentioned that you get the, the, the jo- joinredm.com. We'll put that in the in the show notes. And we're we're all over social media. So either Red M or Red M the movement, I think on Instagram. But yeah. So we can encourage people to to check that out. 
they can get involved in a safe way that's easy to kind of adapt to and and, and, and most importantly won't, won't burn you out so yeah. we actually gauge people's involvement and engagement to make sure they do just a little bit first then a little bit more and to can rest between projects and so we try and make right. sure we're not taking advantage of people there's no guilt right. to drive anyone to do anything that's excellent. Well, you guys, it's a it's a great thing what you're doing. I really just had learned about it a little bit just before we, we talked today. So it's really good. And I think I did say, you know, it's Thanksgiving. The turkey is waiting. <laughs> so I think we're going to wrap up for today. I'm going to skip over all the usual end of show hoopla and just say happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. Also to David and your family and all the people that you're helping I guess we'll say happy Thanksgiving to everybody else too who's not listening and hope that everybody has a great holiday. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for October 2020. We've got about five events this month, three of which are online, one of which is in person, and one of which is both. First up, we have the Houston Energy Breakfast Virtual Conference on the 6th, which is about embracing the evolving market landscape, and that'll be online. Second, we have Adipec 2020, which is an interactive online event going on from the 9th to the 12th. Third, we have OGGN and API Houston Chapter Presents, the opening of the Deep Cavango Basin, which will be live streamed directly to LinkedIn and other platforms from the event in downtown Houston on the 10th. Fourth, we have the Energy API Three Gun Challenge on the 13th, which is in person at the Ranch Shooting Club in Eagle Lake, Texas. Last, we have the Downstream Leadership Forum, which will be our last event of the month from the 19th to the 20th, and that'll be online. Other than these events, I believe OGGN will be hosting some live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or our website for more information about any of the live streams we have coming up. That's all for November. I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.